vives en Virginia. Si recibiste la vacuna contra COVID-19, sigues estando protegido. Este otoño estaremos poniendo dosis de refuerzo para ayudar a prolongar esa protección. No olvides que el Departamento de Salud de Virginia sigue siendo tu mejor fuente de información sobre el COVID-19. Para saber si puedes recibir la dosis de refuerzo y programar una cita, visita vaccinate.virginia.gov o llama al 877-829-4682. Este es un mensaje del Departamento de Salud de Virginia. Your city, your podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Back to the Bird, presented by the Podhub Network. Today's small business spotlight focuses on PBS baseball. PBS is Pittsburgh's first data, data-driven baseball development facility, and it was founded by my guest today. He's a Central Catholic Viking, as well as a Duquesne alum, who is guiding an army of minor leaguers, NCAA players, and Whipple throwers to be the best in baseball. Please welcome Matt Paluski. Matt, what's up, man? Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me. No problem, man. Yeah, I just I came across your your facility and your well your Twitter because I interviewed a bunch of your guys and I didn't even know it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I reached out to your social yeah. media guy and I was like, hey, get me in contact with whoever is the mastermind behind this. <laughs> yeah, uh, I saw those and they were really well done. Um, some of the guys that you interviewed, they're, they're really hard workers. Uh, indie balls. Uh, becoming more important in pro baseball and uh you know highlighting these young athletes i I think is just a great thing their stories uh are really really special to me as a guy that sees how hard they work it's something that's never guaranteed so i I really like when 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 some of these guys and kind of uh broadcast uh you know what they're trying to do in baseball so i I appreciate what you were doing I, i think that was great yeah, no problem. Hey, that's that's what I'm trying to do over here is just highlight the talent that we have coming out of Western PA and just give these people a spotlight because they deserve it. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but I, I interviewed Joey Campagna twice. Uh, he's, yeah. he's like my favorite guy now. We had a we had a little yeah. debate about Hanks and Brewsters on our first <laughs> episode, and we didn't agree on that, but. I think we can both agree that he is a phenomenal baseball player. And that's, that's the type of guys that I feel like yeah. he deserved the spotlight. Hey, he didn't make it to the MLB yet, but I think he's on his way. I mean, look what he's doing with the wild things this year. Yeah. He's a special player, special kid. Um, a wealth of knowledge about hitting. Uh, he sees things. Uh, he sees things that most guys can't see. Yeah, absolutely. So now let's get into you. But oh, I'm sorry. I you're okay. cutting in and out. I can't tell when you're done and when you're not. It's all right. I'm sorry. Yeah. So um, just Joey. Uh, you know, he he sees a lot of things that are would be considered old school, like the ball coming out of the pitcher's hand. It makes him a very tough hitter to get out. And uh, you know, I I root for Joey. I think uh, you know, he's he is one of my favorite players too. So if I had the chance, if my job were interviewing people, I'd want to interview him as much as possible too. yeah he's just got that attitude he's like he wants to talk to you he's awesome but no let's let's get into you now let's talk about you and where you came from so you you went to central catholic for high school you told me when you graduated and i i would have never guessed that i'm not going to date you i'll let you date yourself but uh, let's talk about your high school days were you a baseball player back in the day 
Yeah, not of any consequence. I played ball for Central. Um, hit after a while. Um, and uh, for reasons why some people get hit and some couldn't. And I wasn't one of them who kind of study the game. Um, I was grew up in the Brookline neighborhood of Pittsburgh, played football. Um, but I love baseball. And uh, I learned a lot from the other sports. And uh, baseball was one of those things that I did growing up that uh, I, I really enjoyed. I was successful at it. Uh, I had a semester and a half of catching for uh, uh, Duquesne, basically coaching, catching bullpens. And you know, it was pretty much told that I wasn't good enough to stick around. And uh, so I, that was it. And I didn't really get back into the game until, um, until I became a dad. Yeah, that's awesome. You said you got back into baseball because your son. Uh, talk to me yeah. about that. Was it just, you know, obviously it's kind of turned into this. Uh, reading the yeah. article, to kind of get more of the story. But I'd like for you to tell that story for us. Uh, yeah, boy, I don't really know where to begin other than to say that I was a dad looking for a way to help my kid play a little bit better than I did, you know. And uh, as I got into this, um, I found out that there were other guys like me. Um, and, you know, when I, I lived in Washington, D.C. for a little while, and uh, I had a second job, um, which most people do down there because the rent's ridiculous. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, um, you know, one of the guys that, that I met was an attorney down there, and he coached Little League in Alexandria, Virginia, right across the river from D.C. where I live. Um, and uh, he asked me if I wanted to coach, and I had a young son at home, and I was like, I, I played baseball, but I have no idea how to coach it. So why don't I just learn off of these kids and you know, maybe I'll help my kid a little bit better than, uh, than I would have if I, if I didn't do that. So that's kind of how it started. It's okay. And um, so after that, it kind of turned into a really rewarding experience. And uh, I guess you could say I was kind of good at it. I didn't really expect that. And so the high school coach asked me to, he saw what I was doing with the younger kids. And he helped me, he asked me to, to come out and help the team there. And I said, okay. And uh, so I started working with some of those kids and uh, you know, that was a little different. You know, you're working with young kids versus high school kids. That was different. But uh, I learned a lot and I enjoyed it. I moved back to Pittsburgh and I want to say 07 or 08, right around the time my son was about, you know, like that kid pitch age. And yeah. uh, he did that. And uh, I, I coached his team and um, I started to coach uh, more and more. Uh, you know, in the communities, rec ball. Uh, and then I took my son to a clinic in Bethel Park, where we live now. And uh, he was hitting, and I was approached by the then head coach of Bethel Park High School. And uh, he offered me a job pretty much on the spot teaching hitting. And I was kind of blown away. Uh, and I said, okay, sure, I'll do it. And um, right after that, uh, I guess the biggest moment, the seminal moment for PBS was an injury that my son suffered. He suffered uh, some Latin phrase that I can't even pronounce or really remember, but it was OCB elbow. Essentially, his arm snapped off because he threw a ball. And like any dad, I you know, did, did he play too much? Did I do this to him? So I started to look into every resource available uh, about all things overhead athlete. And of course, most of that's baseball. And I started to learn that everything that I thought I knew about the game was 100% wrong. Yeah. Um, and, and, that, and that there was a lot out there 
that was not mainstream yet. And back then, we're talking like uh, 2012, 2011, uh, there were bulletin boards, just kind of before Twitter. And um, there were guys on there that I tease to this day um, didn't have very many Twitter followers. They were they were just regular guys trying to make a living. One of them was Kyle Bodie, who started driveline baseball. And uh, another guy who was a dad looking to help his kid was um, Randy Sullivan of the Florida Baseball Ranch, now the Florida Baseball Armory. And uh, Eric Cressy and uh, other guys like that. Eric Cressy is probably the most well-known um, performance trainer in baseball now. The facilities in Massachusetts, Florida. But back then, he was just a guy with one gym. And he was very generous with his with his time, as was Kyle. I talked about my injury, my son's injury to those guys and, and what may have caused it. And essentially, um, I just stayed after it. I became very curious about uh, things in a way that I never was as a younger man. I say it all the time. Like I, I would be up late reading and, and, and looking into the mechanics of how we throw and how we move in a way that I never did as a college or a high school student. So um, all, all that put together led me to, um, I guess, become willing to try new things. Because if you believe your whole life that, you know, you're supposed to get your foot down early and to swing or you're supposed to finish when you pitch in a fielding position as I was and as many kids were. I was, I was taught to push off the rubber. I was taught all kinds of things that were just absolutely not what elite baseball players do. And if you're willing to kind of open up to that, then I think you go a little bit further as to you know, what else you're, you're willing to learn about the game and how the body moves to make some of these elite athletes capable of doing what they're doing. And so um, right after that injury, after my son uh, uh, healed and went to rehab, he, of course, immediately wanted to go right back into travel ball. And the answer is no. Um, we're going we're gonna work on we're gonna work on the body and we're gonna make you a rotationally powerful athlete and then we'll we'll see what happens. And it was the route that we took that ultimately led to him, you know, securing uh, a spot to play baseball at the University of Pittsburgh and the ACC, which back then was something that was so out of the and just it was just crazy to think back then that, that would even be possible. But for that injury, which back at the time we thought was the worst thing ever, yeah, that was the like I said, the seminal moment in and me going on this path. So. Yeah. And, you know, you, you talked about like everything that you learned about baseball ended up being wrong. And it, it, this is, you, you have a data driven facility. It's like baseball is finally coming to the 21st century. And, you know, when you, when yeah. I think like data driven and like, as you were talking about it, the only thing that came to mind was Moneyball. you know? Yeah. And like how they were, they were, they weren't looking at players like, Oh, he's got a good arm. He, He's got the look. They were looking at, you know, what's his productivity? How is how does he play? And how could he how could this person play in this position or in that position? And it's really awesome to see that really just be what baseball is nowadays, like this new age of baseball and where it's going. Yeah. And I think just to kind of dovetail back to what we were talking about earlier with, with the wild things, what it did to the game was it made baseball executives and management um better able to assess what they have and so therefore they didn't have to have these over these huge farm systems they can kind of farm that out to indie ball and then kind of take what they think they have based on the data they're able to grab from these guys which is unbelievable yeah what what they're able to assess from Trackman or or hawkeye or anything that, that, that most of these clubs have now so yeah, absolutely. Now, I want to ask you, with all this data, 
what do you do with it? Like me, I'm a guy, I'm not, a, I'm not a math guy. I'm not like when I pick numbers, I get scared. I'm like, I don't want to look at yeah. it. So how do you use these numbers to assess how to help a player? That's a great question. Um, and that is, uh, I think what separates some facilities from others. Now, when we were first, when we first started doing this, there was nobody within a thousand miles doing what we were doing. So there was a lot of pushback uh, on it. And there sure. still is to this day. Yeah. But to answer your, your question specifically, you know, having an understanding of what those numbers mean helps us explain to a player, hey, this isn't just me saying, oh, you're, you're cutting the ball. This is me being able to say, your spin efficiency is 70%. You're cutting the ball. If it's not 95, you're losing mile, you're losing velocity and, and, and some control too. So having that extra piece of, I guess, unbiased, uh, extra piece having an unbiased eye that is technology, it really helps buy-in from the athletes who otherwise might be skeptical. Because it's not just my opinion. It is what it is. Like, you, yeah. you know, let's say you have a, a negative attack angle. I don't want to throw too many uh, crazy stuff at you because I don't want your <laughs> listeners to fall asleep. But a negative attack angle would typically mean you're, you're pushing the bat down. And we know, based on all the data that's been collected in the last, I don't know, five to ten years, that a positive attack angle, okay, means i'm sorry a positive attack angle is where most of the best hitters live um there are some that are you know are in between 8 and 12 and there's some that are between 10 and 18 but none of them are negative four so if you have a negative four attack angle then that tells us that you know you're dropping into the ball and it's going to make it the opportunities to hit a lot harder we want a large window to hit with not a very small one and we don't want to have to be perfect all the time which most of those kids do now they get away with it at the lower levels because Frankly, the pitching isn't very good in high school and, and, uh, and youth leagues or even travel leagues. But once you get to some of the pitchers that come through here, you can't hit with uh, with some of the things that the technology, with some of the things players do that the technology helps us identify and show them. So that's one small example of, of how tech can be an aid. Um, it gets more uh, difficult and tricky when you're talking about something called pitch design that's very popular now and probably will become more popular with uh, uh, less sticky stuff available to professional pitchers. But uh, trying to shape a pitch to do what you want it to do is completely new. And that, that's born from things like uh, Rapsodo, which is a Doppler radar machine, uh, and high-speed cameras that, that, that just didn't exist, which is why, and this is another subject for another day, but which is why the sticky stuff has become weaponized. Like now they can, they can, they know they don't have to guess what it's doing to the ball, and it makes it really, really hard to hit. So again, without those machines, um, it just becomes—I uh, don't want to say a guessing game, but it's definitely um, one person's eye versus physics. And so, you know, they're they're usually going to side with math because math doesn't care who you are, or how much money you have, or whose dad you are, or anything like that. It's, it's very black and white and, and that's the, the world we live in so. yeah and uh, you mentioned the sticky stuff and that's i mentioned the article earlier with uh travis uh Sawchik from the score um what yeah. like you kind of you kind of just hit on it but like the the weaponizing of it and like how like i don't know if you know but how did this even come into the game like obviously we've had rosin and sunscreen forever but yeah, the use of this spider tech and all these other foreign substances, where did this, do you even know where it came from? 
Uh, the honest answer is no. Um, but I became aware of it when Travis approached me for this piece. He said, listen, you're the only place within 300 miles of me besides PNC Park that has the stuff I need to do this test. And I said, okay. And he had been following me for a while. And, and that's the world he covers pretty much. Yeah. What I do is the world he covers only. He covers the best in the world. I'm just this guy. But um, so he came in and, but like any buddy who's going to do something like this I, I tried to be a little prepared so i went out and asked a lot of my professional pitchers and i have about 23 that i work with and i said all right guys what's going on with this stuff what is it you know how does it work and i was blown away with how extensive their responses were <laughs> i'm not gonna i'm not gonna name any names but i was blown away with how widespread it was mm-hmm. i had read the things that that some people suggested like you know the 60 to 70 percent of pitchers used it, and i was kind of like yeah but I, after watching what I watched and, and hearing from the athletes that I spoke to, I believe it. Um, but I think once pitchers knew that spin meant more swing and miss or more movement, I think it was an easy jump to make. You know, like if, if I'm going to put more spin on the ball and it's going to cause more swings and misses, I'm going to be more attractive and my salary is probably going to go. Up. So yeah. I think it was an easy, an easy leap. And you're talking about a sport that, you know, for a time had a lot of people putting things into their body to help them perform better. Putting something onto their body probably wasn't that wasn't a bridge too far for these guys who grew up in that environment. And I think you're really seeing uh, the, you know, the effects of what, what that had with some of these pictures and how their performance has really fallen off a cliff since that article came out. I credit Travis yeah. for that. Some people tease me on Twitter about it. Like, when did this all start? And people blame me, but it was Travis's idea to write the article, <laughs> not mine. So you're, you're the scapegoat in all this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, touching on this, and um, I want to talk about what happened with um, Tyler Glass now and how yeah. he said not using sunscreen and rosin, he feels like that affected his arm and caused was could have been the cause of his injury i want to know what your thought is on that because your son wasn't obviously wasn't using any of this and he still got injured so what what do you see in a comparison there i just don't have any data to support that that's going to cause an arm injury um they could very well be true but i i don't have any um knowledge or, or reason to believe that that cause it is he upset by it probably as he was a high spin rate uh, guy. And uh, like if you if you have, like, high spin rate isn't for everybody, but it's exactly for people like Garrett Cole and Tyler Glass. Somebody like Kurt Schilling that throws a very heavy fastball, which means it doesn't spin a whole lot, so gravity really pulls on it. That's different. But Tyler Glass now was a top-of-the-zone fastball guy and a hammer curveball guy, yeah. both ripe for high spin. So once – I'm sure he's just not thrilled about not being able to use it. And then I guess when he got injured – Maybe the frustration boiled into his answer. That's me guessing, but I, I don't have anything that says, and I haven't read anything that says that not being able to grip the ball the way you want to is going to lead to TJ or Laban or anything like that. So, um, again, I'm not sure that, uh, that that he's wrong, but I don't know that he's right about that either. So, yeah. Well, we've talked about the elephant in the room with pitching and all that. Um, it was, I feel like this was a great conversation about it. But before we get out of here, I want to ask you, you know, say say you see this kid, he's playing maybe Little League, early Pony League, 
and you see a lot of potential in him, but he has like either it's his father or someone in his family is like, oh, he's got to keep it old school. What are you going to tell them to convince them to come to your facility and say, listen, if you go by the numbers, I can make him better than what he is or what he's going to be without it. What's your, what's your pitch to that parent to convince them to have their son or even daughter come to your facility? That's a great question. Um, it's a little complicated. Um, and I always start off by telling everybody that comes to me that I am the world's worst salesman. I'm just horrible at it. And usually when I kind of come out with that, that kind of disarms them. And then I just tell them the truth. And, and I'll, I'll give you an example. A guy that I went to Duquesne with, Eddie Click, was a fantastic pitcher, Reduce. And uh, he's been kind of keeping his eye on a big fella up in Newcastle in Rocco Bernardino since he was about 10 years old. So when we parted ways 20 years ago, Eddie was exceptional baseball mind, and I'm a nobody. And so when Rocco approached him about coming here, you know, their, their families are close, and Eddie was like, well, you know, let me see about this. And so Eddie came in with a skeptical eye, and um, but when he saw, you know, the quantifiable things that we could show the athlete or the parent who's engaged in the way that you were talking about, um, Eddie knew right away that this would be something that that this young man should do because it's not that we're just promising you know velocity or anything like that i think that's the misconception what we do is numbers aren't all about performance numbers can also be about recovery and being able to stay healthy not just uh, throw harder so using that stuff and being able to hook up um, rocco or really anybody uh, to things like modus which measures arm stress um is a way to say, okay, this is the way he throws now. These are his stress levels. We'd like to get him here. This is what we've done for other guys built like him. Here's where they are now. And the goal is always to be, let's throw harder with less stress on the arm. Now, injuries are always part of the game. It's the most dangerous thing you can do for your elbow and shoulder to throw a baseball 90 miles an hour. But there are things you can do to mitigate that. And the tech that, that we have, and we've learned about, and we've used for longer than anybody around here allows us to really give athletes their you know a really good shot at understanding you know what their you know arm stress should be what kind of bandwidth is acceptable where when is it too much when do we need to back off and some of that tech is sophisticated like modus and some of it is very old school like a stopwatch or a radar gun if you see a precipitous drop off in velocity that's a red flag that something is potentially going wrong and needs to be corrected or else get into an injury we've seen that too but um that would probably be my my pitch and again i don't i'm not good at pitches i just kind of <laughs> show no pun intended i just show them you know where they are now what i'd like to do for them teach them to throw on a schedule most of these players need to be kind of i don't want to say deprogrammed but they need to kind of get out of the travel ball mindset of throwing every weekend doing nothing for five days and throwing again and then we get into you know using tech to help them understand what their body's doing where it can go and to kind of monitor that journey you know and it really is a journey there's no fairy dust here um, these kids work their tails off and uh you know the tech helps us do that and if parents are still not sold after that then they probably get tired of seeing of our pitchers blow away guys in playoffs and when it matters on sunday so you know, that, that, that's that would be my sales pitch there it when is everybody around perfect yeah <laughs> So when everybody around you uh, 
works as hard as, as they do, it, it makes you want to work harder. So the culture here is probably the most special part about what we have. And uh, that goes back to some of the old guys we had uh, that, that weren't that weren't great athletes. Guys like Luke Hayden, who played club ball at West Virginia, or, you know, Jeffrey Wormbine, who's trying to walk on at IUP, or Cameron Knox, who's at Fordham. But, like, these are guys that, that took a chance on this place. Uh, or Sean Keeley's another one. And it, it was really all about understanding what what they're capable of through tech and it, it still requires an, Im an immense amount of work and those guys really set the table for what would become you know obviously we have a lot of great athletes now but it wasn't always the case and so you know that, that I'm always blown away by you know when old guys come back and they see what this has become because we didn't have six foot eight monsters walking that door back then and now it's like we have a lot of them so yeah. it's kind of funny to see but. <laughs> all right matt well i want to thank you for coming on and educating me on the new age of pitching and baseball in general um before you leave just tell everybody how they can get a hold of you and how they can come train with you yeah so um pvsbaseball.com is the best place to find us we're on twitter at pvsbaseball on instagram uh, if you want to train with us you have to know somebody here or a college coach we are 100 percent referral based you cannot buy your way in uh, we're very protective of, of the of the uh, group in here and everybody in here uh, is training with somebody they want to train with next to them. So that's how you get in touch with us. We, um, we can be found there. And uh, I really want to thank you for not only doing this interview with me and, and highlighting a, a small business, but all the work you did with those minor leaguers. It means a lot to me. I, I, I say this a lot. I, I never say anybody stinks. I, you hear that a lot at a ball game. Oh, this yeah. player stinks. <laughs> and if you know how hard these guys work that never get a chance, You'll never say that again. So you taking the time to, to interview those minor leaguers, Sansone, Kitch, and, uh, you know, Meeker, I love that guy. And, of course, Joey Campagna and others, Tommy. You know, highlighting their journeys and, and, and is just, I think, the best way to grow what they're trying to do, which is the game of baseball. And growing the game through, you know, efforts like yourself and other people to cover, you know, it's easy to cover the Pirates, easy to cover you know, the Cardinals or the Reds, but I, I think that it's my favorite part of baseball is, is, is the minor leagues and college baseball. And uh, so I, I want to thank you for taking the time to do that. That was awesome. And I, I enjoyed those. And I, I'm sure a lot of other people did too. So thank you. Hey, it's my pleasure. And I, when I was talking to the GM of the wild things about what I wanted to do, we had like the same vision of, you know, these guys are Western PA born and bred. And once they got out of high school, it was like, nobody cared about them. So right. now it's like, why not bring the spotlight back to these guys who have worked their tails off and now they're playing for a hometown team. So that's, that's, that was my goal. And I, that was the vision that the GM of the wild things had. And that's, that's all I tried to do was give these guys their due. So I want to thank yeah. you again for coming on. Um, I'll put all the links uh, to your social media and to your website into the description of the video. Um, and yeah, I want to thank you again, Matt. Matt Pawlowski. All right. Again for coming all right. On. Thank you. If you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, Recovery Centers of America can help. The holidays are over, the new year is here, and the time to act is now. Expert private care at Recovery Centers of America will get you on the road to recovery today. 
At our award-winning and fully accredited treatment centers on the Eastern Shore and in Southern Maryland, you will be treated with compassion, dignity, and respect by our dedicated team of professionals. You will also benefit from specialized programs, 24-hour medical care, and the comfort of our outstanding facilities. Let us help you. We will answer your call 24-7 and can get you into treatment as soon as today. If outpatient care is right for you, you can receive a same-day assessment and attend therapy in person or virtually. And because we accept most private insurance plans, you get premium care without the premium price. Don't wait. Start your new year. Start your new life today. Call 1-888-RECOVERY now. That's 1-888-RECOVERY. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Wait a minute. I've heard that before. That's the note Jeremy wrote to me in my yearbook in the sixth grade. How'd you even know that? Because it's from Geico. Yeah, yeah, wait, here it is. Dear Luke, have a great summer. P.S. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Love, Jeremy. Geico's had this tagline for years, because we help save people money. So wait, you're saying Jeremy copied you? <laughs> yeah, that actually does sound like something the J-Man would do. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.